0: Well, praise the Lord. Hey, Amen. Good to see all of you tonight. It's good to be here. And um, excited to be in this place to uh, lift up our great God. And I know that he's going to meet us here like he always does. And uh, at the very beginning of the service, why don't we just, um, if you're able to stand, stand? And let's, let's invite the presence of the Lord into our situations. Make it personal tonight. God, we love you. We thank you. We honor you, Lord, we have returned to give you praise. We have returned to lift up your holy name, that you would make your dwelling amongst the praises of your people tonight, that your anointing would rest upon us this evening, Lord, as we turn to you once again, and we say, God, we need you, God, we love you. We worship You, Lord, and we desire a move of Your Spirit in this place. We desire fellowship tonight, God, that Your strength would meet us here tonight, that there would be encouragement in this house, that there would be healing in this house, that there would be deliverance in this house. Lord, we are Your people, the sheep of Your pasture, Lord, and we desire to be fed tonight. That You'd feed Your people, Lord feeds our people with the bread that only you can provide. God, the bread that brings sustenance, Lord, that that keeps us, Lord, that sustains us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you for your promise, for your faithfulness, Lord, that where two or three are gathered together in your name, that you are with us. You are in the middle, Lord. You are right here among us, God, we have gathered together tonight in your wonderful name, and we pray and ask that you would meet us here, meet us here, touch our lives, change our lives, help us to become more like you, Lord, That before this evening would, would, would fade away, God, that we would decrease in this house, that there would be an increase of you our life. More of you and less of me. So God, meet us here as we begin to magnify your name and exalt your holy name. We're asking for a visitation tonight and help us. Help us to be sensitive, Lord. Help us to be sensitive to your presence. Amen. Amen. Let's worship the Lord for a few moments here and uh, we'll give you an opportunity to give us unto the Lord. Amen. God bless you.
1: to worship this week, every mountain, every valley, why don't we just lift it all up to him because he's worthy of it all.
0: Y'all may be seated. It's good to be in God's presence and um, looking forward to what God will help us with tonight, what he'll help us understand and see. We're going to be the, we're going to be uh, spending some time in uh, Luke chapter ten, beginning at verse one. Before we get started, I want to ask the Lord to help us here tonight, and um, I just felt unsettled in in my spirit, and um, I want the Lord to help us, to help me, to help you. God, we thank you for all that you have done for us and for your word that brings light to us. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, and we need your help tonight. We need your help, that you'd help us. You'd help us, Lord, to, to uh, receive your word. Lord, you help me to to deliver your word. God, I can do nothing, and I can add nothing, Lord. And so I'm asking, Lord, for you to have your way. I am an instrument in your hand, Lord, a flawed instrument at that. But I give it to you, Lord, for your use. I pray that you'd help us tonight, God, leave here uh, with a different perspective. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. After these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whither he himself would come. I want to talk to you. For a few moments here tonight, on the cost of discipleship, Luke writes here, beginning at the first verse, that after these things, which would indicate that there were things said prior to this, and uh, and we see this in the in the previous chapter. Um, that uh, Jesus spoke of the cost of discipleship. He He made the price pretty clear that we must be willing to change our plans, our lifestyle, and preach the kingdom of God. No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, now I believe that when we accepted the call to be in a disciple that that is something that we must take seriously because we have put our hand to the plow. And so Jesus called them and he invested into the disciples. He invested into their life and he empowered them and sent them. Our God doesn't invest in humanity without them understanding what they must do with it. In Luke chapter 9, we see Jesus calling his disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. He put it in their hands. He put the kingdom in their hands. He gave them dominion and sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and heal the sick. And after these things, he appointed, he appointed more to do the same. They were sent to prepare people for a visitation from Jesus. When he gathers, he gives, and he sins. That's what he does. Who is he gathering? He's gathering disciples. You know, a disciple is someone who will commit. Who will commit to following. Who will commit to learning. Who will commit to, uh, to uh, focusing on why I'm learning. But what are we learning? A lot of things that we are learning. Let me ask a couple rhetorical questions. What do you think a disciple is supposed to do? And what are you learning how to do, what to do? There are many things that a disciple learns. There are many lessons. Many of us have been down many different roads and and have learned a lot of things along the way, haven't we? And we're still learning things we're still in the process. We're still trying to figure figure things out. We're still trying to take God's word and and effectively apply it to our lives and accomplish what God wants to, us to accomplish. But the one focus I want to point out here tonight that a disciple Is learning to do is to be useful, to be a laborer. In one chapter, Jesus went from 12 to 70, and He sent all of them. Jesus sent all of them. I think we can say if He has called me, He wants to send me. if he has called me to gather together with other people who have been called then his intention is to send out now we have we have ways that we send people out in the united pentecostal church international right we got missionaries we have evangelists we have pastors we have teachers and and they go and they preach and they teach we got we have people that, uh, that plant churches. In fact, we have, you know, families like brother, brother and Sister Bates that started this work in Winchester because there was a call. There was a call to go, and so they went. And so we're here tonight because there has been a call uh, to, to gather for a, a purpose. Not to gather in a room. Although it is helpful and beneficial for us to gather together and praise God and pray to Him. And seek His face. It is beneficial for us. But that's not really the cost of discipleship. The cost of discipleship is not what we already do. Because this is just our reasonable service. This is, just, this is what we do uh, because we love him, and we've been called out. We've been called to separate. But the cost of discipleship is, is, is completely different. Let's look at verse 2. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into the harvest. Now, it's interesting that Jesus would immediately go to this passage here after after sending or appointing, appointing the 70 and sending them out. What was he saying? There, there is plenty to do out there. There's not enough people to do it. Harvest truly is great, but the labors are few. Then he says, "Pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth labors into the, into his harvest. Now, what would what do you think would happen if we prayed that prayer? What do you think would happen if we prayed that God? send send labors into the harvest he'd send us right? He would say, I was hoping you'd pray that because I got some I got some prospects. I got some people that that I'm appointing. I'm appointing for a purpose. And we see that he gave them a very specific focus, the harvest. It's a great harvest, but not many are working. Pray that the Lord... The harvest that he would send forth workers preachers teachers those who who would testify those who would go in his power and authority why does he need laborers because there is much work to do he gathers people into specific locations so he can send out laborers to the areas he plans on visiting We've seen that in verse 1. He appointed them to send the 70 out in the direction that he was going. This is why we are part of a local church. Not so we just gather together, but we gather others. I think it ought to be something that we really think about. When we consider why God called us, for what reason, what purpose has He called. Now I'll tell you there by reading this these passages this evening I have been hit with with the guilt with the guilt of why I feel so disconnected from some of these, these commandments and some of these words that Jesus told his disciples and because we, we, we're busy, we have a lot of things going on, we don't really pay a whole lot of attention to the harvest, do we? We don't necessarily focus on other people as long as our families are okay. Now, don't get me wrong, we we need to. I think think it's imperative that we take uh, care of our family. We pray for them and we invest in our children. But it's more than that. God called us into discipleship and and there is a cost and if we're going to follow him it's going to cost us some things. It's going to cost us some things. Let's look at John chapter 4. We're going to begin at verse 27. We're picking up towards the end of of the passages about the woman at the well. And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman. They, they went to get some temporary sustenance, didn't they? Maybe Jesus needed that break so he could do what he was supposed to do. He talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city, and saith to the men. Now, this woman, she had an encounter with Jesus. She didn't know her life was going to change, but how many of us share that same story? We didn't know that Jesus was waiting on us to walk to our same spot, to get the same temporary thing. Only this time he offered water that would satisfy. Only this time we, heard, we finally heard the thing that got a hold of us and led us to an altar where, we, where he satisfied the, the needs in our life, where he began to satisfy us. When she realized who she just met, she left her water pot. She left the reason that she was there and went to the city telling everyone about Jesus. Now I don't know. I don't know what she did on a daily, and I don't know how often that she went to that. That spot to get water, but you know how often we drink water. Uh, I can imagine that it probably happened quite a bit. And so she made the journey to get the water and met Jesus and left that water pot there and went to the city to tell everyone about Jesus. What did she say? Come see a man which told me all things that I ever did, that ever I did, is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him saying, Master, eat. I'm sure if we, if we back up to where she was telling the people in the city about Jesus. I'm sure that there were plenty of people when they heard her word that they were in disbelief. That's because some will receive and some will say she's just telling more lies or, or he is a drug addict, don't listen. But there will be people who hear. There will be people who scoff and there will be people who hear. We can't get away from that. And so the disciples, they bring back some food supposing that Jesus was hungry. Maybe he was, but his response shares with us something different. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Verse 33, therefore said the disciples one to another, hath any man brought him ought to eat? Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus was declaring to his disciples, My food is to do his will. I believe in that moment Jesus' strong words was make he was making a point. Well you have gone while you have gone to fill your stomach with the temporary, my, my food is to do the will of God. There is a work to finish. Jesus saith unto him, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me and to finish His work. Verse 35. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. behold, I say unto you lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest too many too many folks are busy thinking about temporary fulfillment, but Jesus took a moment to expound on what his food what his food was, making a a a point to declare to those who were following him those who were learning him that if i don't have any food i got to push on if I don't have what this body needs, i got to push on because my, my, my food is to do the will of God. My, my, what's going to sustain me is going to be reaching to accomplish God's will and purpose. What's going to keep us, brother and sister, is going to be focused. It's going to be dedication on what God has called us to do and who God has called us to be. He has called us to be disciple. Makers, verse thirty-six. He that reapeth receiveth wages, and he and gathereth fruit unto life eternal. That both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Verse thirty-seven. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. In verse 38, I sent you to reap the, that, that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye entered into their labors. Uh, he's, Jesus is saying above everything, a disciple is called to finish the work that was started. We did not start the work. We are still getting into the work. Uh, We're getting into the work that other men have labored and it would be important for us to get a hold of what somebody else labored to establish. God uses people through all generations and we're here today because God used people to establish a local church in this city. Not for this not for this work to die, but that there would be laborers that would come out of the work. That there would be workmen, that there would be laborers, that there would be people who were dedicated and devoted and committed. That they were willing to, to pay the price for discipleship. Jesus took every moment that he could to show his disciples what really what really brought satisfaction and that is doing the will of God that is the only thing that will stick that's the only thing that will satisfy everything else will pass away everything else is vain but if i if i if I get my eyes locked into what God desires to do in this hour, that is what will bring satisfaction. When I know that I have been willing to lay it all down to pursue God and to go after what He is wanting to go after, what He is going after. Listen there, God is moving And there are people that God is touching and there are people who are ready to move because God is leading them and God is sending them. But if we are turning a deaf ear to what God is trying to do in this assembly then what we must do we got to take dominion over the flesh. We got to take dominion over, over the flesh not wanting to pay the price of discipleship. I have been called for such a time as this, and you have been called for such a time as this as this for us to work together, to be laborers together, working with God, advancing his kingdom. There is no backseat to Christianity. We're either advancing or the, the, the enemy is advancing on us. Let me be transparent because I tell you that it's it's hard. It's hard to balance everything. It's hard to balance everything. It's hard to work a job, and it's and it's hard. It's hard to uh, to you know to make time for your family and for different things, and to also be about our father's business. But that's where we have to be intentional. We have to use every opportunity that we can, wherever we are, to, to to be looking for ways to make disciples on our jobs. How many people that we we work with, we spend time with. Some of them we spend more time with them than we do our own families let me ask this question because I'll tell you this thing has really just how many Bible studies have we gotten into because of of our desire to fulfill his mission with the people around us not invite people to church it's not it's not it. We can, we can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's that's not necessarily discipleship. Discipleship is is to give somebody else everything that's been given to you. All the understanding, all the knowledge, all the spiritual insight that you have, you ought to be giving it to somebody else. I ought to be giving it to somebody else. And there have been moments that I have that I have had this opportunity to do this. I, I just I feel like that I can do more. Anybody feel like that? You can do more or that you want to do more but you just don't know how to do it. You don't know how to go about doing it. And that's why we're that's why we're in the learning process. We're learning how to be intentional. We're learning how to make time and and you know that's that's that will come with consistency. When we when we consistently show up And ask the Lord to help us, to give us wisdom and understanding. You know what God does? He helps us. He gives us words. He gives us insight. He gives us areas of our life to work on. And that's all part of the discipleship process. I'm I'm working on me, but eventually I'll have enough to work with to help somebody else. I don't have to be all put together. I don't have to have all the understanding and all the knowledge. I just need to have a burden and a desire to fulfill the call to be a part of discipling people. You don't have to know all the Bible studies, and you don't have to do the search for truth Bible study. You just need to take somebody under your wing and invest in their life and, and give them what God's been given you. You know, that's a lot like an apprentice. You know, as, as me as an electrician, if, if somebody were to put some uh, an, uh, an apprentice working with me, I'd give them everything that I know so I know that he will help me. You hear me? And this is, this is what I believe happens. When you invest in somebody else, they'll be loyal. When you show somebody that you love them and that you're going you're gonna to give them everything that God's given you, listen, they're going to be loyal. They're going to be willing to fight for you. They're going to stand with you no matter what happens. We need all Resources. Uh, We need all hands on deck uh, working to help the kingdom grow in this city. Verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, He told me all that I ever did. Now what she did, she went and told people about Jesus. She didn't have all the understanding. She wasn't the most spiritual person, right? but she went and testified. What what is that? What does that look like for us to go and testify, to tell somebody about the Lord? Verse 40, so when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believe because of his own word. When Jesus finished his lesson, there were many Samaritans who had made their way to him because of the woman's testimony, her witness of meeting the Messiah. But when, when they got a hold of him, they heard his words. Now here's the thing. You know what disciples do? Disciples lead the way to hear the words of Jesus for themselves. When I go, when I go into the highways and the hedges and I compel them to come and I invest in their life, it's, I don't want them to hear my words. I'm just trying to lead them to Jesus. So Jesus can speak the words that will do uh, what only Jesus' words can do. Listen, she wasn't even a disciple, but she found something more valuable than what she had in her hand. And she forgot about it and, what, and, and went and told people about Jesus. This is what Jesus was telling his disciples to do. She went and did without Jesus even telling her. She went and did what Jesus was trying to get his disciples to get a hold of. Everything I'm investing in your life, I'm sending you out to tell people about me. I know we we, we love the Lord and our, our faithfulness shows that we love the Lord. But at some point in our walk with the Lord, we must go out and tell people about what he did for me. And what he did for you. And what he'll do if you'll get a hold of God and you'll come to him. They were sent out two by two to to announce his arrival and to declare the kingdom of God has come to them he sent them out to sound the alarm and I'm here to tell you today this world needs an alarm sounding they need a church that says uh, I got uh, I got the answer for your dilemma and I'm going to sound the alarm that if you don't get it now there's coming a day you wish you would have got it and if we love people the way that Jesus Loves people, and when we look at them, we'll see they need to hear the sound of the alarm. They need to hear it. Yes, yes. What Jesus was doing was teaching them what he was about to leave in their hands. Now we see, we see Jesus teaching and leading his disciples in the way that they should walk. But then there was a commission, Luke chapter 24, verses 46 through 49. There was a commission where Jesus began to to shift their focus and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. We're starting in Jerusalem, but we're going, we're going beyond. We're going further. We're going to spread through this land. We're going to send this message to every man, woman, or child that we come in contact with. And verse 48. And ye are witnesses of these things, verse 49, and behold I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. Now we know that that's what happened uh, when when they were all gathered in into that upper room they, they were they went there because they were commanded to go and they were commanded to wait until there would there would be power that would come upon them and here's the shift this is the, the the shift here is that Jesus was walking with them instructing them and leading them and showing them what it was like uh, to be about his father's business and then he comes uh, he comes to the 120 in that room and he fills them with this spirit uh, he's no no longer walking beside them now he's walking in them he's in them doing the work accomplishing the things and we see that there was a a shift from from what the disciples were they were just kind of out in left field sometimes before before the before pentecost but we see something very different after pentecost Acts chapter 5, verse 12 through 16. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but, that, but the people magnified them. And believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women. What were they doing? They were accomplishing what Jesus had been training them, what he had been putting in them, and now they're doing it. Now they're accomplishing it. Verse 15. so much that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. Verse 16. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits and they were healed everyone. What were the disciples doing? They were advancing the kingdom. They were spreading the message. They were accomplished what they had been trained to accomplish. Verse 40 and 42, 40 through 42. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Do you hear what this is right here? This right here is noise. Don't speak that name. We don't want to hear that name in verse 41. You know what they did with the noise? And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. You know what we need to do? We need to humble ourselves. We need to lose pride and be willing to suffer for the name of Jesus. No matter what, I must be willing to suffer. 42. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. When the noise came, they took dominion over the noise. And they said, we're not going to stop. We're going to continue doing what we're doing. If we get beat, we get beat if we miss out we miss out but one thing I gotta do is I gotta be about my father's business because he invested in me and he taught me and he gave me a reason to live when nobody else did and he invested in my life and he said here is a purpose that will satisfy here is bread that will feed you here is bread that will sustain you and if I'm about my father's business I will make it It's amazing how many people are chasing temporary things and they have no joy. But for somebody who would be willing to suffer shame for the name of Jesus has all the joy. Where is joy going to be accomplished in our life? When we're willing to suffer. When we're willing to put ourselves out there for the kingdom of God. And if we're not willing, there won't be joy. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 and then 7. And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, what was going on? They were spreading. They were multiplying, right? They were being fruitful and multiplying, replenishing the earth, subduing it, and they're walking in dominion. There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily administration. Now, we're not going to cover everything that happened there, but I want to jump down to verse 7, and we'll see. And the word of God increased, and the number of disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly, and the great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Why? Because there were people who were willing to go. They were prepared, and they were sent, and they were accomplishing what God had called them to accomplish. Acts chapter eight, verses four through eight, and I'm closing with this last passage here therefore they therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. you know what happened the, the, after stephen after Stephen was martyred they didn't they didn't go hide. They didn't go into buildings and be fearful. They scattered abroad. Yes, they might have went in different locations, but they never stopped preaching the word. They never stopped telling people about Jesus. They never stopped looking into the face of of those who were weary and worn out and saying, "I've got an answer for you. I got a cure for you. Yeah, you got you got some issues in your body. I know the one who will save you. I know the one who will heal you. I know the one who will deliver you. Let me tell you about him. Let me." Me tell you about Jesus. Verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. You remember, you remember? Remember how Jesus started a work there? The disciples, as you think about this. The disciples had no need for Samaritans before Pentecost. In fact, we know the the backdrop. The Jews and the the Samaritans uh, didn't get along, and and, and it wasn't wasn't right for them to be together in one place. But here we have Philip going down and preaching to to the Samaritans. Why? Because Jesus started a work there. hearing and seeing the miracles which he did verse 7 for unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies and they and that were lame or healed and there was great joy in that city let's stand there was great joy in that city why because there was a man being sent to preach demons were being cast out people were being healed there was deliverance there were great things happening and the city was full of joy you know last I look our world was in need of joy When I, when I drive down the road, and when I go into this store or this building, this office, this job, our world is in need of joy. But don't you think if they could have bought it by now, they would have already had joy, because they'd have spent all the money on it. Now they are spending all their money on certain things because it brings temporary joy. Temporary satisfaction. What's going to make this church grow? Is it going to be one or two people working? struggling, trying to accomplish all the things that one or two people can't accomplish? Or is the church really just going to have to step up and be the church and sacrifice and say, I know I was supposed to be doing this on Saturday, but I, I, feel, I feel a tug to do something else. I feel a call to do something else. Now, I I want this church to grow. Because it's not my church. It's His church. That's what we're working for. To help Him. To be a part. And it's an amazing privilege to be a part of what God has called us to be a part of. To be a part of His kingdom. Now, I would hate for him. I would hate to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and offer him nothing. Except excuses. Excuses. I've already mentioned this. Listen, you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to be the most faithful saint. You don't have to be the the best giver. You just have to have a willing heart to say, "God, I want to do this. Uh, you've called me." Maybe maybe we ought to remember the time that God began to lavish us with his love and he began to pour out on us his blessing and we've never felt anything like it in our life. If we can think for a moment that when he did that, he was calling us into his kingdom to continue his work. But here's the thing, and this just came to me, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Now, I think one of the big problems is that if I fall out of love with the Lord... If I fall out of love with the Lord. Now listen to me. Loving him is not saying I love him. Loving Him is not being faithful in my reasonable service. Loving Him is keeping His commandments. Loving Him is, is investing. Loving Him is, is acknowledging I've been called for a purpose. Loving Him is saying, I will go. Loving Him is saying, let me help you finish. Loving Him is saying, I want to help you advance. Loving Him is loving who He died for. How can I say I love Him and do nothing for Him? Are you feeling what I'm feeling tonight? God help me. Help me. Help me figure this thing out. Help me see the opportunities around me. Help me to see and to walk in why you've called me. Can you reach toward heaven right now? Ask the Lord to help you see Help me see where I am, God. Help me see, Lord. Help me me see it with my own eyes or hear it with my own ears. How much I really love you by my actions. When you leave here tonight, let that be the question that you always ask yourself. How much do I love Jesus? Let him him know how much you love him right now. God, I can't do it. I can't do it without your help. I can't do it without your wisdom. I I can't do it without you revealing it to me, God. Lord, help us see. Help us see, Lord, all the, all the time that we waste doing other things, Lord. Loving other things above you, God. Let there be a return to our first love. Lord, you are my first love. And I don't want to live. I don't want to live my life. I don't want to live my life the way that I have. By just my professed love, but I I want my love to be to be seen in my actions, to be seen in my priorities, to be seen in my purpose. I want want my love for you to be recognized and noticeable. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Somehow we, we have been geared toward investing in people if they come here. When's the last time I've gone out and got somebody and invested in them and spent time working Maybe people are afraid of investing in someone that may walk away. But it, it, is that investment in vain if I give all that I can and they walk away? Listen. The right perspective is, if I give all that I can and they walk away, the Lord knows I gave all that I can. So what's more important, somebody sticking around or the Lord knowing that His people gave all they could give? The pathway to restoration is dirty and painful. But that's what he's called us to do. Reconciling people from the devil's grasp is going to be messy. But it's, it's so worth it. Am I going to be a good samaritan or am I going to be the one that crosses the street? Because I don't have time. I just want I just want to please him. We've we've already talked about it this past week. Uh, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So I know I know that i got to get out of my flesh to please Him. i got to walk in the Spirit to please Him. And if I'm walking in the Spirit, then I'm accomplishing what He has called me to accomplish. Because I can't walk in the Spirit and be unfruitful at the same time. This kingdom is for all of us. It's for all of us. Our our first, whenever we begin to talk to people about Jesus, the first thing we should think about is Him, and not High Point. I'm not trying to get people to come to High Point. It's not about getting trying to get people to change churches come here. Why don't you come here? In fact, I don't want other people from other churches to come here if they're not going to do anything. What I want is for the people that we have to be so hungry about fulfilling God's call. When will 2023 be a powerful year? When we realize what God has called us to do. Amen. Listen, I love and I appreciate every one of you. And I know that it's not easy. But we have to work at it. And let God help us. And ask God for wisdom. God, give me wisdom. I want to be a disciple maker. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. We will see you uh, this Sunday.
1: Amen. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.